Good evening, good evening. If you're at the back, if you'd like to come and take your seat, um, you're so welcome. Tonight is a special service as Michael Totten becomes an elder. Um, so we're so excited for that later on. Um, church, we're going to worship together. So do you want to stand and we're going to sing?
for being here. Uh, this is a very special day as we presented the vision to you uh, this morning, the church, and what we wanted to do tonight is have another special evening tonight. Uh, it is the induction of Michael Totten uh, as an elder onto the oversight here at Living Hope. And we give a warm welcome to all his family and, and his friends. friends here. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Give a warm welcome to his family and his friend that have come tonight. <laughs> it's lovely to see them all gathered here. Uh, after the service tonight, there will be a supper round in the youth hall. Uh, so we uh, invite you all to stay uh, to join us uh, after the service this evening. In 2019, in the vision we presented to the church then, 
Uh, we set out to bring our oversight up to six elders. We had four at the time in the past three years. Uh, we brought Reese on board, and tonight we brought Michael. And our process here in Living Hope is to recognise the function before we give the position. We're not into giving position out here, we're into recognising what people do uh, in church. And uh, to share some of Michael's story, Michael's going to get a few minutes to share uh, later. Um, we call them now elders' minutes because we know that five minutes elders' time is not really five minutes, it's a lot longer. And he learned that from Stephen Fancy. Where's Stephen? There we go. So he's coming to this. So uh, a few years ago, five or six years ago, I think it was, when Michael Elizabeth started coming to the church, the conversation in the office there on the day of prayer, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember this, and Michael and Elizabeth were going to a church in the morning, and they didn't have an evening service, pagans. And, and um, <laughs> we did have an evening service, because we're real Christians, so we had an evening service. And so Michael said that he was coming here, and uh, the, there was no commitment. He just said, can I just come along? And I said, certainly. This is, you know, this is what church is about. You and Elizabeth come along to church, uh, find your feet before you make a decision. They didn't want to commit themselves to anywhere, which is, which is fair enough for the journey uh, that they were on. And as I came along here more and more, uh, some of the things we recognised, firstly, was this. Uh, they're the sort of people that just can't help being involved. I think that would be true to say of both of them. Uh, the sort of people that if something needs to be done, uh, they are going to volunteer. And as uh, so they've done that over these recent years, we've recognised the particular characteristics that Michael has displayed. And you will all agree with me, the encouragement of others, uh, his servant heart, uh, and his humility, just to give you a few of them. Uh, and, that. and we all know that behind every successful man, is a surprised woman. I mean, sorry, is a, is, is, sorry, I mean, a, a, a greater woman. Uh, and as with all the elders, uh, those serving in this church, you know, you, you, you get the wife as well and her service to the church uh, with all the elders' wives that we have now. Elizabeth fits in really well with them because they're the ones that serve and they're the ones that are involved in so much. And so on the night that I went to see Michael, and the process we have here in Living Hope, as I've said, is we recognise the, the function. This has been a process for a couple of years. This is not something that we sat in an oversight meeting, put everybody's name in a bag and pulled out a name, and it was Michael's. We didn't do that. We had prayed about this. We, there were lots of good men in this church, uh, lots of good men. And, uh, but we wanted to make sure we picked the, the right man for this time in our church, this generation in our church. Uh, and so we prayed about it, and the night I went to uh, see Michael, he thought I was coming to see him about something else. As a matter of fact, when I asked him about, uh, the, I asked him the question that said, the elders are in a position to, uh, to pick another elder. He actually gave me two names, and none of them were his. He was totally surprised that we were even considering him, but we were. And we're so glad to say that this is a result of this tonight. And we are delighted as a church uh, to be able to do this because there is a truth in the culture that we live in uh, that the church needs good leadership today. 
it needs good leadership. And so we are delighted that we have uh, a good leader here. We are delighted that we have somebody and that leadership is recognized by their servant heart and their humility. When we did the teaching, we did some teaching on 1 Timothy uh, last year. When we got to 1 Timothy 3 and looked at the characteristics of an elder, and they listed 16 of them, 15 of them had to do with character. It's to do with character. One was being able to teach. That was the other one. But the rest of it was character. It's who the person was. It's who they were. And for all the elders that we have in this church, that is simply the most important thing. That's the thing we believe is biblical. I shared in a sermon last week as Joshua was getting ready to lead the people across the Jordan into the promised land that the greatest possession any Christian leader can have is the assurance of knowing that God is with him and God is leading him. That, that's the most important thing. That there is nothing else above that. That assurance of knowing that you are the person that God has called to the job, to the function, to the position, and that God is with you when you do that. But the verses I'm going to share from uh, this evening is simply the four verses, uh, 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1 to 4. And I've called this a position and privilege of an elder. Uh, because one, it, it is a position, but two, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to serve the church. It's a privilege to serve God. And Michael and Elizabeth step into this privilege tonight uh, of doing what God has called them to do. And as always when we're called, it says it is a privilege to do what God has called us to do. There is a world to win. There are people to serve. There is a community to witness to. And when God picks us to do that, it is a privilege. Peter writes these words in 1 Peter 5, verse 1 to 4. He says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. This is the end of the Apostle Peter's first letter to the churches in an area known as Asia Minor. It's connected to having hope in hard times. As Peter is writing to the fellow elders who are the leaders of the church who are being persecuted and are in trouble and it's simply a call to courageous leadership. And church leadership in 2022 has to be courageous leadership. It has to be people who stand up for the truth of the word of God. And it says we see challenges day in, day out where we are faced with these decisions that have to be made, these things that have to be done if we want to be God's people in God's church. So Peter understood it then as he writes over 2,000 years ago, nearly 2,000 years ago, to the leaders, to the fellow elders there, that simply in the face of suffering and persecution, he says you must be courageous. His final instructions to them I will commission to Michael tonight and a challenge to all of us when he tells us simply, be this, be clear-minded, be alert, be humble, and take care of the people. 
Recently, as I said, in church, we took a look at the book of 1 Timothy because it covered so much of church life. Paul, like Peter, who wrote so much of the New Testament, he devoted part of chapter 3 to the issue of elders because he realized this most importantly for the church to operate and function in the way that God intended it to be. There had to be leadership in the church. It couldn't be, as we said in Timothy, every man does his own thing. It's a free-for-all. Let's just, let's just all go by opinion here. That's not possible to do. So there had to be a structure set in place. And this is the structure that is given at the appointment of elders. You see, the New Testament uses the words bishop, overseer, elder, pastor, shepherd interchangeably to describe the same office of taking care of either an individual church or a collection of churches and it carries a great responsibility and an important function which is to be shepherds of God's flock, the church. And you know that last bit there is what we as uh, the rest of the elders and the church invite Michael to do tonight. We're simply saying we have a great responsibility, we have an important function is to be shepherds of the flock. You are the flock. We are the shepherds. We want to take care of you. We, we, we love you and we want to see God do a work in your life, grow you to maturity. And so we're simply saying as the elders tonight, we as the shepherds, we're inviting Michael to come and shepherd with us to love the people. People can be difficult at times. Not you, you're all a joy, but people, people can be difficult at times. There is a challenge, there is a challenge for us as we work with people, as we tend sheep, as we feed the sheep, as we help the sheep, as we guide the sheep. And it says this is a challenge that is presented this evening as it says there, a great responsibility and an important function which is to be shepherds of God's flock. You see, the truth of it is this, is without a vision, the people perish. Where there is a lack of spiritual direction, the church will wander aimlessly into all sorts of problems and difficulties. So we give you the five things that uh, the elders are responsible for in, in this church. And these are all things that we see in the Bible. The first one is this, is to direct the affairs of the church. What goes on in church, we are responsible for directing. We have heard from God and we direct the affairs of the church. So we're not just wondering aimlessly because there's nothing worse than looking at people who are supposed to be in leadership and simply saying, where are we going? Well, I don't know where we're going. What are we doing? Well, I don't know what we're doing. Actually, we presented the vision this morning to give the church, this is where we are going and this is what we are doing. So we direct the affairs of the church. The second thing is this, as elders, to keep the church on track. So we have a mission, which we talked about this morning, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. And it says we keep the church on track. So actually, when we're diverted by things, and sometimes there's a little bit of trouble that might come, or there's a little bit of contention that might come, or some people think we might should do things a little bit differently, we turn around and say, no, we're keeping the church on track. This is the mission of the church. This is the vision of the church. So we're inviting Michael to come on board with us to help us to keep the church on track. Thankfully, in this church, that's not hard to do. 
because with so many people who simply want to say, I want to be part of what's happening and what's going on. I want to see God do a work, not only in the church, but in the community as well. The third thing we see the elders do is this, is to fulfill its mission. We have been given a mission to go into all the world. Part of our mission is the vision that we shared this morning. You will see it behind you, which is to come to him and go for him. Uh, and so in fulfilling its mission, the mission we have been given, that's a responsibility, the function of the elders, to help the people keep going there. We lead by example. Somebody said once with leadership, the three best ways to lead in church are by example and by example and by example. He says we lead by example in fulfilling the mission that God has given us. In fulfilling that mission, we achieve its purpose of what the church is about. To reach the lost, to build up the people, to, to witness to people, uh, to see the church grow. We achieve its purpose because we want to be part of a church that has a purpose. We don't want to be a church that sort of just does whatever just comes along, whatever latest fad comes in, because that can happen in church as well. Much like the world, there's a latest fad and there's a latest fashion and everybody says that's what we do. And if we did this and if we make the lights tingle a bit more and if we make the music a bit louder uh, and if the pastor got seven tattoos up his arms and his ears pierced and stuff, that would make it cool for people to come in. We don't want to follow, thank goodness, the fashions and the fads of the day. What we want to do is we want to achieve our purpose of what God has set out for us to do as a church here. And this is what we invite Michael to do as he joins us tonight as an elder. And finally, probably the most important thing is, is to shepherd the flock. To simply say, to love the people, to tend to the sheep. Peter counts himself as one of the elders. He passes on the same instructions that Jesus gives to him in John 21. When he asks Peter, he says, do you love me? Peter says, yes. He says, well, feed my sheep. And he asks him the same question three times. Feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. And Peter, in three things here, is a, is a fellow elder. He understands what they're going through, the challenges and difficulties, because this is not an easy function to be called to. You, you'll only do it if you're called to it. Any leadership in church will only do it if you're called to. You know, and, and Peter understands that. He's writing to the shepherds as a shepherd himself. He's saying this is, this is a hard work, but it's a rewarding work. This is a challenging work, but it's worth doing because it's what God has called us to do. And so we know that Peter is a fellow elder. The second thing is, is a witness. Peter is a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He's not unaware of the suffering that these shepherds were enduring. But Peter had witnessed the suffering of the master, teacher, and Lord Jesus Christ. He's not unaware of his suffering. And, and what, what we do as elders and what Michael does and Elizabeth does is point people to Jesus because that's what this is about. What's a vision of the church about? It, it's simply pointing people to Jesus. What's a mission of the church about? It's telling people about Jesus. It says Peter understands this because he's a witness of the suffering of Christ. And then the third thing he says, sees is this, is Peter is a partaker of the glory to be revealed. There is no retirement plan in the kingdom of God. 
Some people look forward to retirement and say, that's me, I don't have to do this anymore. In the kingdom of God, there is no retirement plan. There is also no reward either. It says there will be one day when we get to heaven and then we'll get our reward there. I keep saying this to Ben. Where's Ben? I keep telling Ben, your reward's in heaven, Ben. It's in heaven. So. He says, that's right. And he knows, just said that. That stops me getting extra coffee and stuff like that. But my reward is in heaven. It says, Peter is a partaker in the glory to be revealed. There will not come a time where we will get to the point where we'll gather the elders up here and everybody will start worshipping the elders and thinking, well done, everything you've done. That won't happen because, one, it's not biblical, and two, there's no place where we're in this for the long run. We're in this for the hard run. We're in this till God says, don't do it anymore, or he calls us home. And Peter understood this because he said, he's a partaker in the glory to be revealed. There is nothing, nothing like following and stepping into the calling of God in your life. Unfortunately, some people miss it by the decisions that they make. That's just unfortunate. But those who simply presented with what God wants them to do and they step out in faith, it says that is a very reward for them to see the lives of people change people's lives won for the glory of God he says that's the reward that's why we do it that's why we're inviting Michael to do it here that's why the fellow elders do it because we're looking at this and saying this is what God has called us to do there is no greater thing why would God call me why would God look down? There are more qualified people. There are more intelligent people. There are better preachers. I know. He says, why would God do that? Because God is always looking for the right person to fit in the right place at the right time. And this is where we are this evening. Peter's description here of a shepherd is simply one who takes care of the sheep. You know, a shepherd does his job in two main ways. The first job is to feed the sheep. He says, now feeding isn't always about standing behind the pulpit here and preaching from the word. Feeding is everything that goes on through the way. I'm thankful for the elders that we have here who are constantly telephoning people to encourage them, constantly calling on people, constantly taking people out for coffee to encourage them. That's feeding the sheep. Feeding, not everybody can be here. Not everybody can stand here. That's why when it, one of the characteristics is the ability to teach. That can be over coffee. That can be on a one-on-one -on -one situation. That can be in a small group. That can be an encouraging text message, an email. It doesn't matter what it is. It's to feed the sheep. And there are so many different ways to do that. The second thing is, it's the job of tending the sheep which means protecting, guiding, nurturing, and caring for the sheep. When this is done, it, it's a command, not a suggestion. Because you see, the most important tool to shepherd the flock of God is a heart like the heart of Jesus. One that is willing to give one's life for the sheep. One who genuinely cares about and is interested in them. People can be difficult at times. But it's at those times that they need to be encouraged and cared for and loved and guided. It says in the passage that we read 
Shepherds should not do their job by compulsion. We don't do it because we have to do it, as though we're being forced into a task. We don't sit in the oversight meeting and decide who we're going to visit and go, oh no, please don't send me to visit them. We do this by we don't we do this by desire, we do this by love for the sheep, and this is what we'll continue to do to lead people willingly from a heart that loves God's people as a shepherd loves his sheep and wants to serve them. See, this week quote came before me this week as I was preparing, and it's so true. We must have a shepherd's heart if we would do a shepherd's work. We must have a shepherd's heart if we would do a shepherd's work. Shepherds do not do their job as lords because the sheep belong to them. The sheep are entrusted to them. Therefore, sheep are to serve by being examples, not dictators. You know, I love the thought of when it says, those entrusted to you, that, that portion, that assigned by lot, it says, who are our sheep? Well, you are our sheep. I'm sorry if it offends you, we call you sheep, but it's biblical. And when it's biblical, it, it, it's, it's just simply because we love you and we want to feed you and help you and guide you. And, but you are the ones entrusted to us. I don't go up to the church up the road. Some people will say, go and do this. But don't go to the church up the road. Uh, and say, listen, I'm the pastor of Living Hope, but they put my head away down there. Do you mind if I look after some of you people? Because they'll look at me. I've never done it. I could try it, like, but then... <laughs> it says, well, because, because you are our sheep. And for the elders, the six elders are in the church, you, you are the ones that we have been entrusted with to help, to love, to guide, to protect, to lead, to feed, to tend, whatever word that you use, that's our responsibility. That's how we function here in the church. And God has entrusted this responsibility of the spiritual care of this church to certain individuals, to particular shepherds. And that's why we invite Michael onto the elders tonight. Because elders is always plural, never individual. Individual men of spiritual maturity and authority. It is important for shepherds, for pastors to realize that they lead Jesus' sheep. He is the great shepherd. We are the ones that have just been given that title of, of shepherd. But he is the great shepherd. It, the Christian shepherd doesn't work for the sheep. He works for the chief shepherd. And it's important to say this now because, you know, for some people that struggle with this, he is responsible for the sheep, not to the sheep. We don't own the elders. He says the elders are here to serve us, uh, serve us as the sheep. They're there to tend and to guide. So we don't look at this and say, well, now they're mine. So at 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning, if I need Michael, then I can just pick the phone up. Listen, if it's serious, you can phone him and get him out of bed. I don't mind. But we don't own him. And often sometimes in churches, and thankfully not in this church, but in other experiences, people would turn around and think, well, then now they're an elder, they'll do everything that I ask. No, they won't. It says because elders simply are responsible for the sheep, not to the sheep. And it's important that you know that we will love you and guide you and protect you and do all the things that need to be done, but we do it out of a loving heart. We don't do it, as Peter says, by compulsion, 
which simply means, oh, well, you have to do it. He says, in the words of Scripture, no, we don't. He says, we do it because we love you. We do it because we want to see God glorified in your life. We want to see you grow in your faith. And this is what eldership is about. It helps us to, to understand that tonight. And you see, as we're coming now to this, what we're going to do, we're going to, 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 to bring Michael and Elizabeth up to pray for them. And I'm going to invite the fellow elders, if they would come up as well. I would call them up, yes. And Stephen and Jackie and Jackie. And if you come and stand up on... I had to put a shirt and tie on tonight. You can see why. And, uh, the thought of me standing up here with the Sanhedrin and looking at that. Oh, man. Let's gather around, please. We, as a church, and us as the oversight, which are representative of the church, are delighted tonight to welcome you on as an elder onto the oversight of Living Hope. And so we are delighted for both of you because we know you have a wonderful woman beside you there, a wonderful wife beside you there. And so we're, we're delighted to do this tonight. And Jesus, the night before he goes to the cross, he gathers his disciples in a room and there's no one there to wash their feet. And so Jesus takes up the towel and he says he, he, he prepares himself to wash the disciples' feet. But he's showing the greatest act of leadership that there is. Because we often see leadership as, oh, telling people what to do, or now I've got an important position, and all of this. And we, we, we know you're not like that, but lots of people do do that. But Jesus gives this great example of leadership. And it's the greatest act of servanthood when he simply gets down and he washes the disciples' feet. And every time we come and do this, and some people were mocking me before the service, saying, you're not doing the towel thing, are you? And I said... <laughs> they shall remain nameless. But yes, I am doing the towel thing. Because we simply believe in this church that it's towels, not titles. Uh, simply to serve. So we're giving you that back. You can put that back in the kitchen when you finish with that, all right? <laughs> and it says, I'll add to the dishes. Yes, you are clear up, you are clear up tonight and stuff. So, but we just give you that as, as an example that that's what this is. We're not saying to you come and lead with us. We know we have to lead. We're inviting you to come and serve with the rest of the elders. And we're delighted that you've accepted that from yeah. the Lord. Thank you. We're, we're going to pray. I'm going to read uh, something out, and then Stephen is going to pray for you on this night as we ordain you as elders. As elders, sorry. And just read this. Let, let us pray, church. <coughs> so we come to our Father in heaven, we rejoice in what you have done in the life of those ordained today. The Savior has called them, and he has taught them, and he has greatly used them. And today they stand on the threshold of this service to you and this church. Our passionate concern, Lord, is that you will use them way beyond their highest expectation. We know that you are able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. May they shine their lights in the midst of a darkened world. 
We pray that, God, you will use them with increasing effectiveness for your greater glory. Your word tells us that when you call us to do anything, you always provide the resources needed, and, Lord, that they may draw deeply from your rich well of grace. We are excited to think of how desperately they are needed. People who are committed to the gospel of the grace of God, the exposition of the word of God, and the faithful and loving service in the will of God. Keep them plugged into the power of prayer. Give them the passion of our Savior and the heart of the shepherd. Father, as a good shepherd, go before them. Lead them in a plain path to do your will and do it courageously. Humble them under the mighty hand of God. Multiply their gifts to extend and enrich the body of Christ. Reproduce in them the body of Christ, the heart of Christ, and the life of Christ. And now we exhort you, as Acts 20.32 states, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And we ask it expectantly and believingly in the wonderful name of our Saviour and Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Church, just before I pray, can we all stand? I'm going to pray for Michael and Elizabeth, but Pastor Matt, in his few remarks there, says we are a church. Yeah. And we love you and we care for you. We watch over you. And we hope we bless you. But you know what, church? You bless us. In this living, in Living Hope Church, we are a family. And I'd love to pray for Michael and Elizabeth, but I want you with me to pray with me. Yeah. So if you are comfortable with that, but by our heads, we'll close our eyes and we'll stretch out our hands yeah. towards Michael and Elizabeth. And together, we'll bring them to the throne. Yes, Lord. And we'll lead them at the feet of Jesus as a congregation. Thank you. That the Lord will yes. bless them as they endeavor to do his work. So, church, let us all pray together. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we thank you for Michael and Elizabeth. We thank you, Lord, for their calling. We thank you, Lord, that you've called them into this assembly, Lord, this part of your vineyard. We thank you for their hearts, their servant hearts. Lord, not only are Michael going to be an overseer, a part of the oversight, but Lord, you've called them to be, to be a steward. Yeah. But Lord, a, a servant. Lord, we read of Paul when he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ called to be yes, an apostle. Lord. Michael has been called, Lord, to serve this church Thank you, Lord. as an elder. And Lord, we pray that your hand will be upon him and Elizabeth, yeah. Lord, as they go forward to serve you in Thank this capacity. You. Father God, that you would draw near to them as they would draw near to you. Yeah. Lord, that you would give them wisdom that they need, the understanding that they need, the knowledge that they need yes. to do this role in this church. Oh, put a hedge around them, Lord, and their families. Protect them and underneath them and run about them that we know will be the everlasting arms. Yes, Lord. So, Lord, we pray right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless the prayer of them, Lord. Yes. We are blessed as a congregation because of them. Lord. Oh, thank you. As, he, as Michael partakes in the oversight of this church. Thank you. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would use them for your honor and for your glory. All these things. 
we ask in the name above every other name. And it's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. We're going to invite Michael, our newest elder, to come up and share uh, some thoughts with us. Thank you, Michael. says 20 past. So Matt referred to fancy time and we all know what Patricia's like. You can start it, you can't stop it. <laughs> A lot of people have said very kind words before tonight. And it's very kind of them. This is your night, one thing or another. But before I start speaking, I just want to say, the line of that we chorus, yet not I, but through Christ and him in me. And I want to give God the honor tonight. I want to thank you all for coming. I want to thank my family, my extended family, some old friends, my family and Living Hope, who have been such a tremendous person to live and I. You will never know until we get the glory, the goodness of God, and what you mean to us as individuals. It's a privilege and an honor. And they're the normal things you expect people to say, I think, at this stage. But it was a privilege to be asked. And it's an honor tonight to be inducted as your elder. It is something, as Matt said six or seven years ago when we spoke, in the office, and I don't recall saying that, but it's something that I would never imagine to happen. Yet God is so good. More and more as I live my days, and I'm going to be 64 in October, and that was a real shock the other week, but I'm going to be 64. But the longer I live, the more I know that God is able to take the nobody and use him for his glory, or use her for his glory in the extension of his kingdom. <laughs> when I was thinking of, of things to say tonight, Monday and Tuesday were two terrible days. And Rebecca prayed, and often we pray, and we don't know what people are, what's happening to people, or what they might be going through, but she prayed, and the enemy was at work, 
As I was working away telling me I couldn't do this, it shouldn't have been me on one thing or another. And if it was up to me, it wouldn't be me, honestly. And as I thought about my notes, I thought of Abraham and Sarah in a completely different way than I'd normally think about them. Hearing the story of Abraham and Sarah, they'd no destination, they'd no map, and they'd no compass. They'd only God himself. And about six or seven years ago, I have to say, that's the way we felt. We'd lost our compass, we'd lost our map, all the things around us that we'd built our life on and become secure in seemed to be taken away. And I wondered, despite the fate of Abram, is that how he felt? Was he concerned about moving forward? Did he wonder what tomorrow would bring? Because that's the way we felt. And I was going to say, I was going to add in, God, please take it away from him. I trust God doesn't bless us as he blessed Abraham and Sarah in later years. <laughs> that's, that's the change. God is so good. I said to somebody in college, if there was one thing I could leave, imagine me being, going to Bible college, if there was one thing I could leave with students in Bible college, it would be to be in the place where I feel secure and free in God in their young lives, as I do in my older years. We thank God that God had plans for us in bringing us here. I remember the first night coming through the door. I remember seeing Jim Armour over there, a face I knew amongst the sea of people I didn't really know. I had a relative came here, Valerie. Distant relative, Valerie, knew Valerie. Didn't really know anybody else. New York lad, but didn't really know anybody else. And I remember Jim saying to me, see that young person, and that young person, and that young person, and that young person, and that young person on the worship team, they all won't go to Bible college. And that was just tremendous for me that night. That was just wonderful. Young men and women, from a community that I come from, I decided to serve God. And I bless them for that. And I hopefully will encourage them in that. And I watch them as they grow over these past six or seven years. And I've come to know each of them in a different way. I just pray that God continues to bless them and uses them in this house, in this district, to see men and women Boys and girls, never forget about the boys and girls coming to Christ. When we needed it most, we found love, we found encouragement. As I said, we found a home. I remember one night, I don't know, Elizabeth, there's a couple here, hopefully we'll know what I'm saying. I don't want to mention names tonight, because I don't want to leave anybody out. But Liz and I were walking down through Newcastle and talking about things and how we were and what was going on. We met a couple from the church who were out for an anniversary meal. And when we met them, they invited us to go with them. Now, I don't know that I would have been gracious enough to have done that, because that meant your parents were four instead of two. But they were gracious. And, and that inside and outside of church, that's the way 
apart from weakness. Thank God for it. Even my dad, in his last few months, came along and we saw, our family saw, a change in him that we've never seen in him before. And I remember visiting a lady who I knew, who I knew from I was not able to walk. And she said to me then, in those early days, I can see a change in you. And I was glad to hear that. Not, not that I was different, but that God was at work doing something in my life. We enjoy the fellowship, and you have to enjoy the banter. But most of all, God has drawn us closer to himself in a way I could never have imagined. And let that be an encouragement to everyone that sits here tonight. I don't know what situation you find yourself in. When we came through those doors that first night, nobody knew our situation. and It doesn't matter about the situation. But let it be an encouragement. No matter what you're going through, should you've been on the road for years, should you just, just be saved, should you be looking for God, God will bless if you're willing to step out and follow him. Matt came down and as he said, I just assumed it was about the mission prayer. And I, when he said to me about eldership, I thought it was strange that he was asking my opinion, first of all. And I did volunteer names. And there's a row there of sons and daughters and son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws who probably know me better, and Elizabeth, of course, who probably know me better than anybody here. And probably, possibly, if they had to write a letter in, despite all the letters that I was told to have been written, um, they would probably have written a letter and explain what he's like, not putting the heat on and not giving us a rise in our fucking money. <laughs> but you know, as I said, it's not about me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. I remember, it's about 42 years ago, because there's a there's a reason why I'm not 42. But I remember an old gentleman, a godly man, a godly man coming to preach. And he preached on Romans 1 and 14. Three words. I am debtor. He spoke in those three words. And I don't remember a whole lot of sermons, I have to say, I'm sorry, Mark. But... I remember that all those years. I remember Alfie preaching that I am debtor. And Paul writes he's a debtor to the, the Greeks and the barbarians. As I was thinking about what to say, I thought, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor to my Savior. I'm a debtor to the leadership. And I'm a debtor to my brothers and sisters in the Lord who attend this church. I'm a debtor to the community I grew up in. And God knows my heart. When people ask me, where do you come from? I have no problem in saying, 
Because they all feel bad about dying. I'm proud to say that I've come from the shadows. I live in Jordan's town. God's been blessed, blessed us and, and thankful for it. But my heart's in the shackle. I remember a number of years ago, wanting to do work in the shackle. And it wasn't allowed. But when I look at our church, when I look at the work we do in the community, in the community I just am blessed. I'm not involved, but I'm blessed every time I hear what we do. The things that are unseen, the things that are seen. I pray that God gets all the glory. Remember the night when we had a, the, the car park church and people got on the roofs of their sheds just to listen in to the preaching of that. And I pray that God touched the hearts of those that night. Further on, in Romans chapter 1, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Nobody's excluded. To the Jew first and the Greek. And you can add your name in there as well. Because I can add my name in. Because I remember that night, that Sunday night, in a wee back room, me and my granny slept in the same room. And I remember that Sunday night going up to my bedside. And I remember bowing my knee and accepting Christ as my Savior. I failed him. I have so many regrets. And yet, he has never let my hand go. Through the worst times, through the blessed times, through the blessed times, when we were blessed with four wonderful children, and then we went and got married. <laughs> no, we have wonderful son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, and I'm thankful for every one of them. Our prayer is, there's one, there's one not here tonight, but our prayer is, as we can be a blessing to you, that we will show those who don't know Christ the Savior that there's only one way in this world. He's the only person. He's the only one that cares and loves and gave himself on the cross at Calvary. I'm coming to the end and I'm two minutes over. That's the last page. I don't know about you, but I feel a sense of God's stirring. At a staff meeting, of all places, during the week, I was reminded about Ezekiel and the Valley of Bones. And I'm not coming as one who, who is any better than anyone else. But I have I come as one who is a, a longing to see God's work evidenced in a mighty way in this community. I have a firm belief. I have a firm belief, and I trust God allows me to see it in my day. I have a firm belief that God's wanting to do a mighty work in this area. I trust and pray that through Matt and Reese, the folk who work in the team, the leadership, through us, as the Living Hope Church, are effective in taking God's word inside and outside the church. Come and go with the two words this morning. We come, but we must go. It says in chapter 37 
But the bones and the sinews began to come together and there was a, a wind, a breath of God. And if you read in verse 11 towards the start, it says hope was lost. But thank God, we have a hope. We have a sure foundation. And if you read on down those verses to verse 27, it says, God spoke to Ezekiel and said, I will be their God. So I can stand here tonight and I can say, yet not I, but Christ in me. I want to see God glorified. I want to reflect him in my life. I haven't always done that. I want to be led by the Spirit, as Paul writes in Galatians. I want us as a church to be seen full of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I believe, as Mark mentioned this morning, that these walls will not be wide enough or high enough. I think I said before, reminds me of the way chorus deep and wide. The walls won't be wide enough, they'll not be deep enough to contain the blessing that God gives us by bringing the unsaved in. And the blessing that he receives when unsaved come to know him as Lord and Savior. As I'm, as I'm finishing, there's somebody I missed out earlier on. And if they're watching, because I don't know what stage this labor's at, but at least tell me if they could, they'd be watching. So I want to pray that God just blesses them wherever they are down that road and that God blesses their young son. And as we pray for them, that he grows up to be a mighty man of God. Again, just thank you. Church, do you want to stand? And we're going to sing that. Yet not, but <laughs> yet not I, but through Christ in me. So stand and sing with me. <laughs> no what gift of grace is Jesus, my redeemer. There is no more for heaven not to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and free, my steadfast love, my deep and
Just a reminder, there is a supper round in the youth hall, so if you just make your way through the hall and there'll be some food. Thank you, church. <laughs> 